Every year when we near the final Sunday of the church year, and that's where we're headed, and we begin to read again these verses of the Gospels of Jesus talking about apocalypse, I'm always reminded of a story that I know many of you have heard me tell over these past six and a half years. It's the story of a pamphlet, or what usually Christians call a tract, that fell out of a very important Bible that I still keep at my desk in my office here at the church. That tract had this title, Is Your Home Rapture Ready? And I found that track inside the leather-bound Bible my Pentecostal grandmother gave me the summer before I went off to New York City for a seminary in the Episcopal Church. I figured someone had just given it to her and she needed a place to stick it. She stuck it in the Bible and she forgot about it. However, it got there. She must have forgotten all about it when she called me one afternoon to present me with my own version of the old Schofield King James version of the Bible so that, as she put it, I'd have a good Bible for seminary. And when I found that old tract, I held on to it, if for no other reason than because it obviously meant something to my grandmother. I also kept it because, if I'm honest, I was a little amused by what it laid out for folks to do in all seriousness. The contents of that pamphlet which again was entitled, Is Your Home Rapture Ready?, suggested that Christians need to begin right now making up notes and posting them all around their home, giving instructions for the care of their pets, where to find important paperwork for their car, for their property, and who to call to give notification to, all in the event that the rapture should suddenly and unexpectedly come to pass. For when that day comes, and it could be tomorrow, then if you have made yourself right with God, you will be mysteriously taken up in a twinkling of an eye to meet Jesus way up in the middle of the air. And all before the terrible tribulation and the end of the world begin, when, as Jesus says this morning, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. And finally, the track concludes with what should always be the most important part of making a home rapture ready. The Bible, which should be placed in plain view and laid open and marked at all times to certain suggested scripture passages. This is so important so that whoever finds it and realizes that they are still there and have been left behind will have the directions they need for how they might best prepare themselves to face the impending Antichrist and his minions during an upcoming seven-year tribulation of war, famine, and destruction. It concludes with this, pray to Jesus and ask him to come into your heart. That's what the tract says, and it shall become the final dire warning for anyone who fails to be taken in this rapture of the Christian faithful. Now, As amusing as all of that may sound to many of us, I know that what it proclaims is in no way meant to be ironic, funny, or humorous at all. It is deadly serious, written by faithful, Bible-believing evangelical Christians who believe in a rapture theology wholeheartedly and are convinced that the like-believing faithful need to get their homes and their lives rapture-ready because the end is near. 
And really, as they look around at the world and watch the news, I'm sure they're convinced that it's nearer than any one of us truly thinks. And before the rest of us dismiss all this apocalyptic talk is stemming from maybe an overly anxious, worrisome imagination, we might need to be reminded that that series that came out 25 years ago, the Left Behind series written by Christian author Tim LaHaye, has for over the last 25 years become one of the best-selling, most widely read series of novels in American history, selling today well over 80 million copies. In fact, when I was in seminary, the annual Trinity Institute conference put on by Trinity Episcopal Church down in Lower Manhattan focused entirely one of its conferences on informing mainline churches about end times theology. The institute that year included much discussion, finally, about how those of us in historic churches can begin dealing with this growing belief and the questions about the rapture in modern America. For it is no longer the odd man walking the sidewalks with that billboard sign or the prophetic preacher screaming at the roadside or on your television screen. Today, those preparing for the end times are our neighbors our co-workers and our family, maybe even your dear old grandmother, who's getting their homes rapture ready for the coming of the impending Armageddon. And this morning, as I've already mentioned, it's easy to see from whence comes all our fears and anxieties about when the end will appear. It is our Lord Jesus Christ himself this morning in the gospel according to Luke who we find preaching about an impending apocalypse, sitting in the glory of that ancient Jerusalem temple, beautiful, bejeweled, and magnificent, a wonder of the ancient Middle East. Jesus is announcing that in only a short time, not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down in that great temple. And Jesus goes on to warn those around him that false prophets are already on their way to try to lead Christians astray that wars, plagues, earthquakes, famines, and great signs will come to pass, and that in the end the proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus will be arrested, betrayed, and put to death for their beliefs. It is a frightening thing to even imagine, to be sure. And in the verses that immediately follow this passage, Jesus warns his followers to be ready because the kingdom of God has come near. So who can really blame some of us for looking around and saying to ourselves, wow, seeing all that's happening in this world today, Jesus must be speaking directly to us in the passages we're reading this morning. Certainly during the 20th century, a century that was marked as the bloodiest century in human history with more Christian martyrs than any other century on record, shouldn't the apocalypse be on the way? And today, with the divisions and violence that continue to grow month after month in our own country, and all the vitriol and anger already underway in this upcoming election year, an apocalypse certainly might seem inevitable right here and right now. But when we read these passages of the Bible, we have to realize that Jesus has always been understood. Each and every generation is speaking to the people of that time. Jesus was first addressing those who were sitting around him in the temple 2,000 years ago, for they would indeed witness the destruction of that very Jewish temple Jesus foretold only a few decades after Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected. And just as 
the Romans will crucify Jesus, those in authority will also begin the torture and the putting to death of members of that earliest of the Christian church. And in the same way, the church also heard these words of Jesus in Luke speaking to Christians during the Middle Ages, facing the Black Death and the Crusades. And again, they heard them speaking in the 19th century here in our own country as civil war began to rage between North and South and as slavery stained the expansion and the growth of this new great country. All the way up to the churches all around the world who watched the Twin Towers fall in New York City on September the 11th, 2001, and have continued to watch the violence of terrorism and war leveled at Christians in Iraq, in Syria, North Africa, Yemen, and all around the world. Yet as frightening as all of these moments of division and violence have always been over the centuries and from generation to generation, none of them have ever ultimately brought about this apocalyptic end of the world that Christians are always fearful of. We human beings just seem to never have been right about predicting the biblical apocalypse, and most likely, I think it's safe to say, we never will be. As soon as one Christian theologian or sect do their best to interpret the signs we hear Jesus talking about this morning and head to the hills and to the deserts and to the jungles to escape, they wake up that very next morning realizing that somehow someone miscalculated and that they got it wrong. And if you don't believe me, just ask the next group of Jehovah's Witnesses who knock on your door. For that group of Christians have picked the date for the end of the world multiple times. Rather than urging us to get out a crystal ball and start calculating Armageddon, I believe that apocalyptic passages in the Bible, such as those in our gospel this morning, are really working to do much the same thing that the Beatitudes and the instructions of Christ's Sermon on the Mount were meant to do in the beginning. They work to keep us as human beings humble and to keep us always thoughtful and aware, knowing that no matter who we are, no matter how rich, powerful, or successful we might be, at any moment, the walls can come tumbling down around us. The apocalyptic parts of the Holy Bible remind us that we are never in control, no matter how convinced that we may become of the power that we ourselves have. That the most powerful, the most fit, the most intelligent among us have no control whatsoever over when the end will come or when death will take us to stand before God and before our Creator. But of course, that's not what it's really all about. Because anytime Jesus speaks to us, even when he brings to us these frightening stories of the apocalypse, there is meant to be good news within them. This morning, as it was and is and will always be, the good news in Jesus Christ is that regardless of what comes and when it comes, for those who are willing to trust in Jesus and to follow him, even when that time of the end arrives for us or for our world, as Jesus says at the conclusion of our passage this morning, not a hair on your head will perish, and by your endurance you will gain your soul. And that's the problem with making your home rapture ready. It's that it really brings about a very opposite claim. 
The idea of the rapture tells us that the endurance Jesus is holding up and calling on us this morning to do is really unnecessary because the chosen faithful will all be magically swept away in the twinkle of an eye before the troubles and the tribulations begin. This escapist idea, dressed up as Christian theology, I'm afraid, is misguided at best, and it can only lull us into a false sense of security that all we really need to do is put some sticky notes around our home, put our dog on an automatic food dispenser, and wait for the rapture to take us away. No need to work. No need to do our part. No need to endure the burden. Just believe and get ready for the Lord to whisk you away. I'd like to think that none of us have ever experienced the hard times that come in our lives that allow us to believe this. But I think exactly what Paul is talking about this morning, what he's trying to point out in the second letter to the church in Thessalonica is what's important. For Paul's letter carries a strong warning in its closing verses against becoming idle and against being lazy pointing out that the life of an apostle of Jesus Christ is a life meant to be of work, of believing while spreading the gospel, of putting our hands into the dirt and building up that kingdom which Jesus announced. The letter concludes simply by saying this, keep away from believers who are living in idleness. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary of doing what is right. And doing what is right requires our part and our hard work. Taken together, brothers and sisters, I think the message this morning is clear as we approach the end of another church year next Sunday. The end certainly is near for all of us, but we as followers and believers of the hope and the promise of Jesus Christ have no need to do anything but keep working Keep praying, keep gathering together, breaking bread and worshiping, and keep on doing the good work for the community, for the church, and for the world, no matter what surrounds us. We have nothing to fear when we have Jesus, and our call is always to endure without worry in building up God's kingdom. As our brothers and sisters in the United Kingdom might say, keep calm and carry on, because if you have Jesus in your life, You can do that with great hope and great promise, no matter what struggles you face, no matter what darkness you come into, no matter how it seems that the world is going to end. So maybe we could rewrite that track from my Bible. We could re-entitle it this question, is your home kingdom ready? And we could leave that one in Bibles and restaurants and prisons and anywhere where people might find it. But that's also a question that we ourselves always have to ask when we feel idleness creeping into our faith, into our church, or into our ministry as Christ's body. Is your life kingdom ready? Do you believe in the hope that Jesus brings to you in darkness? Is all saints kingdom ready? Is this world that we live in, this community we have, kingdom ready? If our answer is no to any of the above, might I suggest that we stop worrying about the end of the world and we get our hands a little dirty for the good of the church and for the good of our faith.